The first week of practices seemed to pass in a blur of wind-chapped skin, aching muscles, and early morning fatigue, but Harry loved it, especially since, by the end of Friday afternoon's post-practice drills, Oliver had weeded down the number of potential team members by about half. Harry's only remaining competition for the seeker position was Maureen Knight, the slight woman who had earned Oliver's praise at the first day of tryouts, and that meant one of them would definitely make the team, and the other would be a reserve player. At the moment, Harry felt as though being a reserve player for the Chudley Cannons would be the most amazing job in the world. He apparated back to Lupin Lodge after enduring a strict lecture from Oliver that he was not to treat the weekend as some sort of pub-going holiday, staggered upstairs and headed straight for the shower. The water felt cool and refreshing, and Harry stood under the spray until his skin was wrinkled. Then he stepped out, wrapped a towel around his waist, and shook out his hair, which almost looked respectable when it was wet. Realizing that he hadn't bothered to bring any clean clothes with him into the bathroom, he stood at the door for a moment, contemplating. Should he summon a pair of trousers from his room, or just risk dashing down the hall? Feeling revived and clean, he opted for the latter option, and opening the door just a slit, peered down into the hallway. Seeing no one about, he stepped out and began padding his way down the hall to the room he shared with Ron. His hand was on the doorknob when he heard a gasp. He froze, and then, turning his head to the side, saw Jenny standing at the top of the stairs, staring at him wide-eyed. Uh, hi there, he managed, clutching at his towel and making a mental note to keep a spare set of trousers in the bathroom from now on. He wondered if his face was red. She was wearing some sort of pale green shirt, and her hair was down around her shoulders, rather than in her everyday ponytail. But Harry was in no position to dwell on how pretty she looked, and he immediately concentrated very hard on the door in front of him. Jinny opened her mouth to speak, and then shut it again, and grinning slightly, looked past him down the hallway. Then she said, I was just sent up here to see if you were home. Ron and Sirius have been getting creative in the kitchen and were wondering when you'd want to come downstairs to eat. Oh, said Harry, grasping his towel more tightly. I'll, I'll be right down, shall I? Right, answered Jenny, not moving from her spot on the stairs. Harry hastily turned the doorknob and slipped into his room. When he came downstairs a few minutes later, it was only to find no evidence of cooking and no sign of people. Curious, he called out, Ron? No answer. Hermione? Sirius? Anyone? He thought he heard a muffled giggle coming from the direction of the open window. Slowly, he made his way toward the back door and stepped out into the garden. Surprise! Harry jumped back in alarm. Filibuster fireworks started going off all over the place, and as Harry looked around, he saw Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, Fred, George, Angelina, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, Sirius, and Remus. Harry blinked, not sure what to say. In all the excitement of the past week, he had completely forgotten that today was July 31st, and that meant that it was his 18th birthday. Every year since he was 11, he had faithfully marked off on a calendar that showed the days left until he could return to school. This year, there had been no need and not having a calendar had made him lose track of the time. Feeling a bit dim for forgetting his own birthday, Harry muttered, Thanks, with a sheepish grin, and stepped off the patio into the garden proper. 
A long table had been conjured from somewhere, and it was full to the brim with so much food that Harry knew that Mrs. Weasley must have been around all day cooking it. He would have recognized her distinctive Yorkshire puddings anywhere. There had been little need to decorate the garden itself, for it was in full bloom, with beautiful flowers and herbs, many of which were only visible to a wizard's eye. The meal was delicious. Harry found out that Mrs. Weasley had indeed apparated to Lupin Lodge early, just after he'd left for the Quidditch practice, and spent most of the day preparing for the party. Having spent most of the day in drills, Harry found that he was ravenous, and contented himself with eating second and third portions while he listened to the conversation around him. Jinny was sitting across the table from him and listening attentively to her brother George, who was telling her all of the latest gossip from Hogsmeade, where he lived with Fred above their joke shop. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Now that the war is over, he was saying excitedly, we can dispense with all that surveillance rubbish and start getting back to what we originally planned to do. Everything's selling like hotcakes. People just want to laugh, you know? Hermione was talking to Mr. Weasley about her job prospects, while Ron listened next to Harry, looking moody. You know that both of you are more than welcome to come and work at the ministry at any time, Mr. Weasley was saying. Ron seemed to perk up at this news. Yeah, Hermione, he enthused. Dad's right. The ministry needs you. Hermione shot Ron a quick, pained look, and Mr. Weasley looked overhead his son, as if to make a comment that perhaps Ron might consider applying for a job at the ministry as well, but Harry was relieved to see that Mr. Weasley had the good sense not to say anything. Ron was fiercely proud of his job at the Snouts Fair. Sirius was between Remus and Harry and not saying much. He looked a bit tired and Harry felt a twinge of guilt, knowing that Sirius is working himself too hard at Azkaban and Culperot. Harry thought briefly of offering to go and help Sirius in his work with the prisoners, but then he remembered Quidditch, and pushed the thought as far back of his mind as it would go. Remus, on the other hand, looked perfectly at peace as he spread butter onto a roll and surveyed the table around him. Harry realized that his old professor had grown a little younger-looking since the beginning of summer, or maybe it was just the boyish grin on his face, as he leaned forward and said something inaudible to Sirius. Sirius immediately brightened as well, raised an eyebrow, and quietly said something back. Remus snickered, Sirius laughed, and Harry felt oddly content watching them. Mrs. Weasley was sitting on the other side of Ginny, and next to her sat Fred, who was uncharacteristically subdued. Mrs. Weasley kept trying to engage him and Angelina into conversation, but they both said little and looked a bit nervous. "'How's Penelope?' Harry asked Mrs. Weasley, and she turned her attention to him. "'Oh, wonderful, dear. Thank you for asking. She was feeling a bit under the weather today, you know. A witch in her condition has to be very careful. So she decided to stay home, although she sends her regards.' Fred and Angelina, Harry noticed, were now whispering rather heatedly to each other. Mrs. Weasley had just asked Harry about Quidditch tryouts, and Harry was just about to answer her, when Fred uttered in exasperation, Oh, all right then, and stood up at the table. Everyone stopped talking to stare at him, although, from the smirk he caught on George's face out of the corner of his eye, Harry had a feeling that George knew exactly what was coming next. Fred stepped a few steps away from his mother, closer to Angelina, and Harry reflected that it was quite funny that he should still be frightened of his mother after fighting in a war. Fred reached into his pocket and pulled something out of it, and Angelina did the same. Harry saw something glint in the sunlight, and he realized it was a ring. Fred cleared his throat and said very shortly, Mom, Dad, everyone, well, uh, 
The thing is, Angelina and I got married two weeks ago. There was silence except for a loud gasp from Mrs. Weasley, who was now clutching her heart. Harry looked around and noticed that Mr. Weasley, still holding a fork full of vegetables, was trying very, very hard not to laugh. After what seemed to be an eternity, Mrs. Weasley broke the silence with a sob. Oh, Fred, Angelina, how could you? How? Didn't you think we'd want to be there? Her eyes narrowing, Mrs. Weasley turned to look past Ginny at George. Did you know about this? she demanded. Of course, George answered brightly. I was the witness, and I was the one who made them carry through on their bet. What bet? Mrs. Weasley screeched. George looked unaffected. I bet Fred and Angelina that if we sold over 100 trick wands within the first two weeks of the end of the war, then they would have to get married. And we sold 103 in the first week. Mrs. Weasley gasped again, presumably shocked at her son's lack of remorse, and turned in preparation to launch into Fred. But to Harry's surprise, Fred seemed to have regained his courage. Angelina was now standing and holding Fred's arm, and Fred held out his other hand to his mother, gesturing for her to wait. Mum, he said in a voice that was much more serious than Harriet ever heard exit either of the twins' mouths. We just felt like the time was right. I'm sorry we didn't tell you, but please understand. Fred looked over at Angelina, who winked at him and grinned. We love each other very much. And, well, it just felt right. Angelina was smiling, although she looked as if she might cry, and she leaned forward and said, Please, Molly, do forgive us. I didn't want to upset you, but I seem to lose my head a bit when Fred's around. At that point, Mrs. Weasley started to cry, and Angelina started to cry, and Mr. Weasley finally put down his fork and walked around the table to congratulate the couple. Ginny was punching George on the arm for not telling her, and Ron was looking delighted, as though pleased that one of his brothers had done something less than perfect.